We have an anchor that keeps the soul Steadfast and sure while the billows roll Fastened to the rock which cannot move Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love The Anchor of the Soul with Mike Hickson Preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi And now, Mike Hickson We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. In Matthew chapter 10, we have what is typically spoken of as the limited commission. Jesus sending the disciples out to preach and teach to the people. In verse 16, Jesus said, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. I want to begin our study today by first of all talking about the surrounding of the sheep. And then secondly, we're going to talk about the strategy of the sheep. But first, we turn our attention to the surroundings of the sheep. Jesus said... To his disciples, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. A couple of things here. First of all, Jesus was saying to his disciples that they were going to face a hostile world. It's amazing how we live today in a world, in a climate that has become increasingly hostile towards those of us who believe in the Lord. Those of us who are trying to live for God, honor His Word, we are finding it more and more difficult to be people of faith. Jesus here is saying to these men, look, you're going to be faced with hostility. First, he said, there's going to be persecution. Note, if you would, what Jesus said in verse 23. When they persecute you in this city, did the disciples in the first century experience persecution? The answer is yes. Over and over again, we see those who were followers of Jesus face-to-face with hostility and with persecutors. In the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus would say, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You see, in the first century, persecution was common. When the church began, many of those who became followers of Jesus experienced terrific persecution. And I think today we live in a time in which more and more people are turning against the will of God, the ways of God, the very idea that we would follow a book that has been revealed to us have been revealed by God. 
seems to me that there are a lot of folks today that have disdain in their hearts for Christianity. He said, first of all, you're going to face persecution. Secondly, he said, you're going to face some pain. Persecution and pain go hand in hand. I understand that there are mental forms, emotional forms of persecution. People can ridicule you. They can, as Jesus say, say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. There is emotional persecution, but there is also physical persecution. In verse 17, Jesus said, Beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils and scourge you in their synagogues. Do you remember in Acts chapter 5 when the apostles were commanded not to teach in the name of Jesus Christ? The charge was leveled against them that they had filled Jerusalem with the doctrine of Christ. As they stood before the Sanhedrin council, they commanded them not to teach or preach in the name of Christ. The Bible says they beat them. And yet what did they do? They continued preaching and teaching in the name of Christ. Scourging was a horrific form of persecution. Those who would be scourged in the first century, it would literally flay a person. And so Jesus here is telling them, look, it could be very painful for you physically to to follow me. And then drop down and look at verse 21 if you would. In verse 21, we talk about physical pain, but then here is the emotional pain. Brother will deliver up brother to death. And a father his child. And children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. I understand there's a physical part to the persecution. But to think that there would be people that would literally stand against their own family members. Has it not been the case down through the years that There are those that have decided to be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And because they have embraced simple New Testament Christianity, their own family members have turned against them. They've ostracized them. They've told them, in effect, we don't want anything to do with you. So here Jesus is saying to his disciples, first of all, you're going to face a hostile world. And then secondly, you're going to face a hateful world. Look at verse 22. In verse 22, Jesus said, and you will be hated. Why would they be hated? First, they would be hated for the Lord that they would love. Listen to what he says, verse 22. You will be hated by all for my name's sake. Can you imagine people hating you Because you love the Lord? Jesus said we're to love him with all of our heart, soul, and mind. The Lord would say that if we love him, we keep his commandments, according to John in the book of John. God said through John many, many years ago that if we love God, 
we keep his commandments. His commandments are not grievous, they're not burdensome. 1 John 5, verse 3. There are going to be folks, whether we like it or not, that will hate us because we love the Lord. You can't separate your love for the Lord and his word and his will and his ways. And so Jesus is saying to the disciples, I think it's interesting. When you look at the teaching of Jesus, the Lord Jesus was very transparent when he talked about discipleship, when he talked about what it would mean to follow him. He didn't tell those who would be his disciples, look, you don't have to worry about anything. You don't have to worry about any kind of persecution or trial or tribulation no adversity. Everything's going to just be smooth sailing. He didn't say that. Right off the bat, Jesus said, look, you want to be my disciple, you need to understand. It's going to be tough. Are there blessings? Absolutely. Is it a joyous life? Yes. But you need to understand, you're going to be in the midst of a hostile world. You're going to be living amidst a hateful world. So, some today will hate us because of our affiliation with Jesus. Did you ever think you would live in an era in which those around you would look with disdain on you because you believe in Jesus? Because you claim to be a follower of Jesus. Did you ever think that, for example, the Muslim religion would be revered more in this country by many, many people than Christianity? Did you ever think that there would be people in our society that would have a greater appreciation for the reading of the Quran than the reading of God's Word? There are folks in Washington, they could open the Quran and read it and be praised. Let somebody open the Word of God and read that and see what kind of problems happen. They would be hated because of their love for the Lord and because of their life in the Lord. Again, this idea of suffering for the cause of Christ Jesus said, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Wolves attack sheep. Their intent, destroy and devour. What about our lifestyle? Do you remember in 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul said, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. What Paul was saying is, look, you want to live a godly life in Christ? Then expect persecution. Expect people to persecute you because of your lifestyle. Go back and look at the first century. Was it not the case that people were persecuted because of their association with Jesus and His Word? They didn't like either one. God's Word is 
said to be a lamp under our feet, a light under our pathway. We're following this book. We understand that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. It is an absolute way. It is a narrow way. It is an exclusive way. And so by the very nature of who we are and what we are, we put ourselves at variance against those in the world. And Jesus is saying to his disciples, as he sends them out, you need to understand, you're going to be in the midst of a hostile world, you're going to be in the midst of a hateful world. And I would ask you the question today, do you feel like you're living in a hostile world, in a hostile environment? Do you remember John said in 1 John chapter 5, verse 19, that the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one? Paul would say in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, that the God of this age, the God of this world, has blinded the minds of them which believe not. So the God of this world is influencing a lot of folks. As a result of that, we live in hostile times. We live in a time when people hate us just as they did those in the first century. There's a second thing I want you to see. First, we talk about the surroundings of the sheep and then the strategy of the sheep. Three things here. First of all, Jesus says to the sheep, beware. In other words, be on guard. Listen to what he says, verse 17. But beware of men. Now, the devil uses people as human instruments, doesn't he? He uses individuals to do his bidding, to carry out his will. And Jesus is saying, you need to beware because you're sheep. You need to understand you're vulnerable. You're in the midst of a hostile, hateful world. Who are the sheep? The sheep are those who follow the Lord. Well, who are the wolves? The wolves take many forms. Did you know that there are wolves today that are seeking to prey upon young and old alike? Let me just give you some examples. Think for a moment about many of the textbooks that are used in schools today. In those textbooks, the teaching that is used to describe or to define the origin of man, the teaching is we're not the product of God, but rather we are the product of evolution. The world as we know it is the product of some cataclysmic explosion. We're too sophisticated to believe in a God who would create the world. And yet the Hebrew writer said in Hebrews chapter 3 verse 4, Every house is built by some man, but he that built all things is God. Did you know that there was a day and time in the schools of our land that there was respect for God the Creator. Matter of fact, the Bible was sometimes used as a textbook. 
Did you know that there was an appreciation for God the Creator? And that there were teachers in our schools that believed in the God of the Bible and they advocated God the Creator. And thankfully there are many teachers today that still believe in God, still believe that He is a Creator. But there are a lot of folks that don't. And Paul summed it up in Romans chapter 1 when he said, Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. A lot of foolish teaching in our schools today. And to our young people, I would say, when you go into a classroom and somebody tells you that there is no God and they're adversarial, adversarial in their remarks, you need to understand they are anti-God to the core. And they are wolves. And then I think about the influence of television and the media. The devil uses the media and television to influence the hearts and lives of people. Have you ever thought about how powerful Hollywood is to the West? New York City would be considered a media giant in the Northeast. I read some studies, I read about the influence of violence on television in the lives of young people and how it contributes to aggressive behavior among young folks. The bottom line is this, what we see and what we hear, what we take in ultimately will find its way out, won't it? That's why Solomon said, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. And then, what about the number of sexual scenes and the sexual promiscuity that is so prevalent on television? The commercials are as sexually oriented as many of the programs. Did you know that studies suggest that the explicit sexual scenes on television have influenced our young people? Let me tell you what. There is good programming on television. There are some wholesome programs. Now you're going to have to look, you're going to have to look long and hard, but they're there. But there is a lot of filth on television. Absolute filth. What's the old saying? Garbage in, garbage out. So there's some wolves that are parading on television every day. You know, it's amazing. I'm speaking to myself as well as, as, well as all of us. There are, there are people we would never welcome into our home because of their character, their lack of integrity, their foul mouth, their filth, their moral standing in the community, and yet we invite them into our living room, into our den, into our bedroom every single day. Do you remember what Paul said in Philippians chapter 4? Whatever things are pure, think on these things. 
Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. What about the wolves? What about a country that would legalize abortion? The termination of the human being, a human life. Is it not amazing to you that there are people in this country that tout abortion on demand, don't have a problem with killing human lives? Are they not wolves? I don't care if they're on the Supreme Court. I don't care if they're in the Senate. I don't care if they're in Congress. I don't care if they're occupying the White House. If they are advocating abortion, they are a wolf. It's true. Whether we like it or not. What about legalizing homosexual marriage? What was it Jesus said? Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, cleave unto his wife. They too shall be one flesh. Wherefore they are no more two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. If the courts of our land sanction two men getting married together, legally, in the eyes of our land, are they married? Yes, they are. What about in the eyes of God? Absolutely not. So when you say, when you stand up and say, whether it's in the classroom or in your neighborhood or at the coffee shop or wherever, when you stand up and you say, look, let me tell you what, the Bible doesn't endorse that. We can't do that. Do you not think you're going to be faced with some hostility, with some hatred? If you don't think there are people that will stand against you because of your moral standing in this community, you're sadly mistaken. What we've got to do is stand up kindly, lovingly, say, this is what the Bible says, and not give an inch. Let me tell you about some other wolves that are out there. Drug dealers. Drug dealers all across our land destroying our young people, destroying people that are older as well, mature people, people that ought to know better. They get our young folks hooked on drugs and they destroy their lives. They're wolves. That would go for those that peddle alcohol as well. Wonder how many people are in the graveyard today because of these wolves. Because they have sold our young folks, sold people a bill of goods that is false to the core. And then there are wolves in sheep's clothing described by Jesus in Matthew chapter 7. Religious people that teach things that are nowhere to be found in Scripture. There are a lot of folks that will tell you, doesn't matter doesn't matter whether or not you follow Jesus. You can follow anybody and get to heaven. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto me. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts 4.12, Neither is there salvation in any other. There is no other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Salvation exclusively in Christ. What about the idea you don't have to be a member of the church? Well, Paul said... Christ is the Savior of the church, Ephesians 5.23. Just a couple of examples. 
Secondly, first we think about beware. Secondly, behave. When you read the scriptures, as God's people, we have to demonstrate a certain level of behavior. Two things very quickly. First and foremost, we need to know what the Word says. We need to be equipped with the Word, and then we need to be able to stand up and fight. Be faithful to the will of God. One other thing, very quickly, before our time's out. We need to be brave. I want you to note what Jesus says down in verse 26. We're talking about the strategy of sheep. There's a tendency on the part of people to live in fear. As a child of God, the possibilities are fright, flight, or fight. Here's what Jesus said. Look at verse 26. Therefore, do not fear them. Look at verse 28. Do not fear them. Look at verse 31. Do not fear, therefore. What do you think the Lord's saying? He's saying, look, I'm going to send you out in the midst of wolves. And they're going to be hostile. They're going to be hateful. But you do not fear them. Why? Number one, because of the promises of God. Look, if you would, at verse 28. In verse 28, Jesus said, Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. There is a premium placed in Scripture on the soul, isn't there? Typically, we think about the outward man, the flesh, the body. What Jesus is saying is, look, you may lose your life, but you need to understand there is a God in heaven who can preserve your soul. The promises of God. To know that those who suffer can commit their souls unto Him who is a faithful Creator. Jesus is saying here, Fear the Lord. Reverence Him. Honor Him. In the book of Revelation, when God's people were being put to death, many of whom had been martyred for the cause of Christ, John was saying in the Revelation that those souls that had been martyred, they were safe in the arms of God. Revelation chapter 14, verse 13, he said, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. Jesus said, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. So, first the promises of God, and then secondly the presence of God. Note if you would what he says in verse 29. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? Not one of them falls to the ground apart from your Father's will, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Did you know that if the Lord is mindful of a sparrow that falls to the ground, He knows when His people are being persecuted and tried for their faith? When you're under severe trial, is it not the case the Lord understands, the Lord knows? Yes. The Hebrew writer said, speaking on behalf of God, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. Jesus is saying to his disciples, look, you're going to be in some tough times. 
You're going to face some tough times. But you need to understand, I'll be with you through thick and thin. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, I want to encourage you to come to Christ, believing that Jesus is the Son of God. The Bible says that if you will put your faith and trust in Jesus as the Son of God, repent of your sins as was instructed in Acts chapter 2, verse 38 on Pentecost Day by Peter and the rest of the apostles, and then confess the name of Christ before others, be baptized into Christ so that all your sins can be washed away. The Bible says God will then put you in the church, Acts 2, 47. And if you're faithful till death, the promise is the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love Him. If you're here today, you're not faithful to His cause, could we encourage you to come to Christ? Come back to Christ. Let God forgive you and get back in fellowship with Him. John said if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. Will your anchor hold in the storms of life When the clouds unfold their wings of strife When the strong tides lift and the cables strain Will your anchor drift or firm remain? We have an anchor that keeps the soul Steadfast and sure while the billows roll Fastened to the rock which cannot move Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love.